everyone, it's Jet Tattersall here. Welcome back to the Women in Pop podcast. We are all still being very responsible and practicing social distancing, and this podcast is being produced remotely, more or less from our bedroom, so please forgive us the odd knocks, bumps, and lower audio quality that you are used to. To make up for it, though, we have a cracker of a show. Today, we are joined by one of the greats in Australian music. We have one-third of what is probably Australia's most successful country group ever. Now, they have scored a massive 13 Golden Guitar Awards, two ARIA Awards, and their last four albums have peaked in the top 10 of the Australian charts. Today, they released their sixth studio album, Mayhem to Madness. It is spectacular, and Molly is here to tell us all about it. Now, these women are national treasures, and we are thrilled to have a third of them on the show. It is, of course, the McQuimonts. Hello, Molly, and welcome to Women in Pop. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is incredible, and it is such like such a delight to catch up with you again. Um, obviously, Sam and Brooke are unable to join us today. They've gone deep country in this isolation on the farm. Um, but isolation competition aside, how have things been with you? Totally fine. Um, you know what? We were supposed to have started the tour a few weekends ago and we we're supposed to be, you know, in the midst of it right now and, and touring the new album. But... It just means more time at home, um, getting the show better, practicing, hanging out with my kids. It's actually been really nice. Um, not have a deadline with things. I've, I've been loving it and just been hanging out with the kids. You guys do tour a lot. So, um, yeah, I guess that must be quite nice almost, that forced staying at home. Yeah, it is. I, I was very ready to go out, though. Do you know how we've had quite a bit of time off already? So I was just like itching to get back out. But you know what? It, it just means a few more months and we'll be back out there. So it's not the end of the world. That's so true. And look, I love that we're talking about this because I can't quite get past the appropriate timing of your first single, I Got This. Now, the song and the video, <laughs> it's championing the, like, it champions those many tumbles of motherhood, but the song is already an anthem for the personal and mental health concerns that everyone is facing in lockdown. Um, actually, it's such a beautiful song. I'm just going to play that now. It's gorgeous and it really does shine a message of hope for any of us dealing with life's challenges. What, what was your inspiration to that song? We wrote it oh, probably about a month before the, oh no, no, quite a few months. Quite a few, when did we write that? Maybe, maybe it was the end of last year. I don't even know timing anymore, to be honest. Um, so <laughs> kind of just blurred into one. But we wrote it, um, it was our last song we wrote for the album. And we wrote it about motherhood. Um, like sometimes you just, you just 
don't have your shit together and you're like, but you have to. So you're like, you got to tell yourself, Oh my God, I've got this. I've got this. You can do this. You are, you know, like some things might not be going how you think they're going. You might be having a really crappy day, but you've got to tell yourself, I've got this, pick yourself up and you're a good mum, you're a good person and you can do it. But the reaction we're having from this song is a lot more than just motherhood. It's people in all different scenarios. And now with the pandemic, it's, it's just insane how perfect this is for, I mean, every situation right now. Um, it's, we were like, wow, we timed that really, really well. <laughs> no, you did. And I wanted to talk to you as well, prior to the release of the official narrative video, which follows a mother and her family. Um, you also released that very personal lyric video featuring studio tour footage, as well as those kind of like home moments of, um, all three sisters with your families. I just wanted to know, I mean, as you three have always seemed to sort of draw a distinct line in the sand between your personal lives and your public lives, what was the decision behind sharing such an intimate window into your home life with your listeners? I guess we've never really done it before. Like everyone knows mm. we've got kids we're very open with it. Um, but when we're out on the road, it's not like we ever take the kids with us. So they only really see us on stage and then signing after. And it's not like we've ever got the kids there so they don't see that side of us. Um, but we, while we're on the road, we do show a video when we sing Don't Wish It All Away. It's a song off the last album. We do show a video of us with our kids and them growing up and stuff. And it just, it just everyone talks about that moment in the show. And so for the people that haven't come and seen us, we thought it'd be really cool. This song is all about family. So it'd be really cool just to show clips of us with our kids and show a different side of us that maybe they haven't seen before. Beautiful. Now, motherhood and pop music. Um, it is no secret that women are strung up for any decision they choose to make with their reproductive organs. And a lot of people feel that motherhood and the music industry do not go together. Like it's almost like you have to pick one. Whereas, like you said, you're each flying the flag for both motherhood and strong women in the music industry, but you've been honest in your music with the way that you tell the story. You talk about the struggles as well as the beauty. And I just wanted to know, has having children changed the way you're perceived and also the way you make music? Um, I'm not sure if it's changed the way we're perceived, to be honest, um, because... On stage, we're pretty, we're very professional and we like to do a really rockin', awesome, high energy show. So I think people probably don't even realize that, you know, we're mums, we've got kids, and we've got these two totally different lives. Um, it's changed in a sense that our timing is totally different to how it used to be. We used to write songs when we want to write songs, go where we want to go. And obviously having kids restricts you a little bit, but lucky being sisters um, in a band together, we, we've been able to schedule times that suit all of us to get together and write. We've been taking the kids to writing sessions and we write about what's going on in our lives. So it's, we wouldn't want to hide the fact that we've got kids and we're mums and we're going through the same thing that every other mum is going through, working mum especially. Um, the juggle is real. Um, we're not going to say it's easy because it's it's not, but luckily we're family and we have this understanding that we do love our career and we don't think we should have to give that up just because we have kids. We'd like to 
we guess we're not gigging as much and we're not out there as much as we used to be, but we want to make, we want to give it a balance and do both. Beautiful. And you just said that struggle is real. Does that struggle at all lead to the title of your album, Mayhem to Madness? It sure does. This was before the pandemic. So it's just like crazy timing. We, we picked this title Mayhem to Madness because it is our life. Like the mayhem of having kids and working and the, the madness on the road. It is mad. It's fun. It's not meant to be negative at all. Like the road is madness in, we, we get crazy and like to have a good time and just going from town to town is absolute madness, but it's our life. And so chucking the kids in with work, that's just mayhem to madness is, yeah, it sums up our lives at this present time. Well, I'm just also loving, like you said, we're in lockdown, um, but it doesn't mean you can't release your most eagerly awaited album, Three Years in the Making, and it is such a good one too. Um, You worked on this album with pop producer Andy Mack, and um, it said that he pushed you out of your comfort zone. Can you tell me a little about that? Yeah, Andy, we we did write, um, record our last album, Endless, with Andy. So we already had that rapport with him. He already makes us feel so comfortable. So getting in the studio again, he understands sibling harmonies. He works with his brother all the time. And Sam and I do natural, natural harmonies. Like we just follow Brooke wherever she goes. And that's just, that's our thing. That's how we get tight with each other. And it's just natural to us. But when Andy would hear, Andy was hearing something else in his head and he'd go, I want you to try this harmony. And Sam and I would be like, yeah, that's cool. And then we'd go to sing it and we were just like, oh my God, it's like we're, like we're baby giraffes again learning to walk. It was like, <laughs> I don't know why, but my mind is telling me to do that harmony, but it is not coming out. Like it was just so, it was so different and we'd have to practice and practice the harmonies again to get what he was thinking right. And then once we nailed it, it just gave it a whole nother dimension and level. And when I listen to the album, I just love those different harmonies because it's something that Sam and I wouldn't have done because it they didn't come natural to us at the time. Well, I, I'm so glad you said that. And it's that pushing you out of your comfort zone, but also the joy you have in it. And that brings me to the track that I love on the album, Open Heart. It is such a cool country pop song. And the three of you just play it. Like I can just hear the grin slapped across your faces when you sing. And I'm just, I'm just gonna play that for the listeners now. So here is Open Heart.
Now, bear with me. I first heard this song in my freezing cold Sydney winter kitchen, but I was immediately transported behind the wheel of a ute and off-roading across country Australia. Like, it is incredible. <laughs> it's so I, good. I, and I, I just want to know... Sorry? No, I'm so glad you feel that because I didn't write this song and Brooke wrote this one like quite a few years ago and for every album this song has come up and I am like the biggest champion of this song because it just makes me want to dance, want to get in my car and drive and like this is my favourite song on the album and the girls were like really hesitant about this song and I'm so glad it made it on the album because... I just love it. And everyone that I talk to, they're like, that song is a cracker. That's so, it honestly, it's the best song in the album. I'm with you on that. It's oh, such I a good so song. Too. And the girls are like, you're mad. It is not. <laughs> That's right. You can get points from women in pop as well there. Um, now let's go back. <laughs> Text them immediately. <laughs> now let's go back to the early years. You released your self-titled EP back in 2006, but that wasn't even nearly the start of it all because you three sisters, each with your equally talented sort of solo and unique voice styles, you were just like touring and traveling long before that. And I just want to know how and why and when you decided to get together and go as the three and also when did it blow up? It was always just a hobby for us as kids. Uh, Mum sorry, Brooke started singing when she was 12 years old and it was just one of our friends that was over at her house one day. Brooke just nonstop sang and was putting on shows and she said, I'm going to put Brooke in her talent quest one day. And mum was like, okay, yep. Okay. No worries. What do you, what song do you know, Brooke? And the only song Brooke knew at 12 was all I want to do is make love to you. And so she got up at the <laughs> Jacaranda Festival in Grafton and she sang and got second. And from then on, mum was like, oh, okay, well, she must be okay. And then Brooke wanted to go on another talent quest and another talent quest. And Sam and I got dragged along to these talent quests. And soon enough, we just didn't want to sit there and watch anymore. They were quite boring to us. So we decided we'd get up and sing as well. And then that just led to more talent quests and being asked to sing at people's events and, and stuff that was happening. So we really didn't consider it as a career, like for a very, very, very long time. Um, it wasn't until uh, Universal actually saw Brooke perform at the Gympie Music Muster in 97, I think it was, and they signed her as a solo act, but they'd also saw us sing with her. So they always had in their back of their mind that we would do this trio, but we were just, we had to finish school and it, I, I didn't even know it was a job, to be honest. And then um, after I finished, finished school, um, Universal approached us and said, girls, are you ready to do the trio? And we were just like, like we hadn't even thought about it. It was just like what we did. We just sang together at different events and stuff. And so we went, oh, okay, no worries. Yeah, okay, sure. We'll sign a record deal. And then straight up we got the Lee Kernigan tour um, going around Australia for 18 months and that really just kick-started a career we never even thought we were going to have and like there was a lot of hard work it, it sounds like it just happened for us but we were our lives were dedicated to music we were at every single event singing together and stuff like that but we really didn't think that it was the thing that was going to 
be our career and we were going to make money from it and we weren't going to have another job. This, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. It was probably when we finished the Lee Kernigan tour and we decided to do our own tour. Um, That's when we knew that it was something special because we had packed crowds night after night um, touring and we were like, wow, like this is just insane. People clearly are liking what we do and we got the bug for it. We, we haven't stopped. And that's so good. I mean, obviously your shit just got real moment happened with that Lee Kernigan tour. But I wanted to know what has been, do you think, that magic ingredient that's kept all three of you just so incredibly grounded throughout this? I don't know. Maybe coming from the country and coming from a family that, I mean, dad was a butcher, mum was a hairdresser. Mum um, would never sugarcoat when we got off stage and we did terrible, like we just had a shocker. She'd be like, oh, you had a shocker, but not to worry. And we just, we'd laugh it off and then move on. Like we, we copped criticism. We, I, I don't know, our, our family's just pretty down to earth. Like all of our families in Grafton, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think just our parents kept us humble. I like that you said that as well. And you mentioned um, it could even be that welcoming, warm country music crowd. Um, and for listeners that are still new to it, when people think country music, historically, they think, I mean, help me out with some stereotypes, double denim, permatans, rhinestones, oh, massive hair. Uh, I mean, it's all coming back now, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, for a long exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's now the cool thing to do to dress up how, you know, we used to when we were like, starting off in the title quest when we were 12 <laughs> was even younger um, but the stereotypes definitely been there but it's, it's so slowly it's changing and people are going taking notice of country music and what an impact it has on people and the lyrics and i, I don't know it just means so much more now than what it did and people are taking notice I know when we spoke to you, um, actually just before you were doing your one acoustic night tour, um, we all, we talked about the storytelling and that's what country music is, the element of storytelling. And then you yourself mentioned that artists such as, you know, Lily Allen was bringing in fiddles and then we had Taylor Swift. But I wanted to know, what do you think started the change in public attitude towards the popular country music that we have today? Um... I honestly think there's just been a few artists that have broken through and like Keith Urban and Taylor. And it is those big ones that broke through and people started to then go, oh, is this country music? Um, if it wasn't for for them people, even Casey Chambers with Not Pretty Enough, when that crossed over to pop, uh, people were like, what is this? Like, she's country? What? I just don't believe it. And I actually like it. Um, so it's been those big people crossover and then they've taken notice of country music and gone, oh, actually, I like this and it, and it is cool. I like that. And you're right. It's, them. it's those big names, but again, the stories that come with them. And on that note, I mean, the album itself has such an incredible assortment of tracks with so much integrity poured into our ears with your beautiful voices. But I really want to talk you about the track wish you hell now the melody plays to those classic country breakups you know the ones you play in the car and you cry along to really loudly (laughs) (laughs) 
But then you've got those lyrics in the chorus, in good, good time, I hope you treat her well, I wish you hell. Um, actually, can I play it now? Because I can't sing, so I'm going to play that now. A track. Um, it's such a great contrast there, but I just want to, if you can talk me through the creation of that one. Yeah, Brooke, myself, um, Lindsay Rhymes and Phil Barton got together and Brooke's friend was going through a really messy breakup. They'd been together for 17 years, had kids. Like, I guess it's just a stage you get to now. Some, some marriage is going to make it, some aren't. And this one, this one didn't, unfortunately, and he left her for another woman and it can go vice versa, but it was just this woman was talking to Brooke, Brooke's friend, and she was like, oh, it's, I'm going to be okay. She was seeing the positive in everything. Like, she's a really nice person. And Brooke was just like, I can't believe she's that nice. Like, I would be a bitch. Like, I just can't believe that she's, like, she's totally okay and positive. She goes, I would not be positive. So we wrote the song uh, on like being her friend, like being the positive, you know, lovely things, you know, positive, positive, positive. But Brooke's like, I just need to add that dig from me to go, oh, but I wish you hell. Not I wish you well <laughs> like her friend would have. I was like, no, I wouldn't say that. I would say I wish you hell. <laughs> That's incredible. And I think it's so right. It's like someone just needs to get in like, yes. And you know, it's not the other girl's fault, but we wish you hell. I think yes. it's so beautiful. And it's sung with such, like your voice is in that song. It's just so beautiful. And then you get that line. You're like, oh, that's exactly <laughs> what we need to hear. Yeah. We sang that song on the road last year, just as a tester to see if people would respond to it. And that song had, you could just see them in the audience. Some people were crying and then some people were like cheering and at the end it would just get the biggest applause because someone always knows someone going through it. So I think it just related to quite a lot of people and everyone's been like, is this song on the album? Please tell me it's on the album. So I can't wait for people to hear it recorded on the album. Oh, brilliant. I need to be in the audience. I can imagine there's a lot of people just <laughs> nodding and pointing at you, like, supportively. Oh, totally. And we stripped it back to just um, acoustic guitar and just the voices. So it had that impact of, like, yeah, people really listen to the lyrics. Oh, I love that. Now, you three practically, as you mentioned before, live on the road with these intense tour schedules that um, I know you wouldn't do if you absolutely didn't love it. Um, hundreds of shows crossing Australia and the US. I want to know what is it about playing to that live audience that you just love? It's our life. Uh, it's, I, I can't even explain it, but it's, it's a different thing writing and recording music. 
it's a different feeling to what you have of when you get up and start performing live and have the crowd there singing your songs and talking to them after and how it makes them feel is just, it's just the best feeling in the world. Like that's where I get my buzz is live music. Um, I don't know. It's just like everyone's got their passion, I guess. And that's just ours. And have you noticed there's a difference in audience reaction um, when you're playing in the US as opposed to Australia? Yeah, definitely. Americans are very um, in your face and even if they don't know you, they will be up the front, like being your biggest supporters. And Australians are very much, they just sit back, like to take it all in at first and are a lot quieter, um, won't just bombard you with like, you know, after a show, they're very polite Australians where Americans are just like in your face, want to get a signing. It's just a different vibe and there's no right or wrong. They're just both entirely different. You can tell we're just just different cultures. Yeah. And that just says a hell of a lot about the US if Australians are polite. (laughs) (laughs) They, you know what, we are because we don't like to we don't like to intrude on people's people's space. I, I think we're all the same as Aussies. We like to just sit back, have a beer, relax. Um, where Americans, they're just very excitable, like straight away. And I think maybe it's a confidence thing. I'm not sure. I know it's totally a confidence thing. <laughs> and um, lastly, I know your tour, your beautiful tour for Mayhem to Madness um, has just been postponed, but can you just tell me on this, the dawn of the release of the album, what is on the horizon for the McClymont sisters? We're going to be doing lots of cool stuff um, on Zoom with fans and stuff. Um, So, and then it's just going into rehearsals um, for the show and kicking off in September. And it's, it was going to be every second weekend to make it easy on the families. You know, you're home one week, then you're out on the road. Then it's like really nice, easy breezy. So now we're doing it every weekend for three months, um, getting in as many places as we can to really tour this album. See, taking one for the team and for the fans. I love it. <laughs> oh, Molly, it has been such a joy talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Women in Pop podcast. Listeners, the McClymont's new album, Mayhem to Madness, is out now and is available on all platforms. So stream it and download it as much as you can. Um, They will be also embarking on their nationwide tour starting September. As Molly just said, going back to back and going all the way through to January next year. So you can get your tickets at themacclimates.net.au and it is going to be an absolute treat. And before we go, a brand new issue of Women in Pop is just around the corner. So keep an eye on our social media channels for more information to find out what incredible women we will be speaking to in issue eight. Search womeninpop.com. Uh, Women in Pop on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or yeah, go straight to our website, womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you for listening. Everybody, please stay safe. And we will be back very soon with a new episode. Until then, from myself and Molly McClymont, goodbye. (laughs) 